welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Welcome. My name is Francis, and I'm a recovering sexaholic. Hi, Francis. My co-leader here is John. The topic we're sharing on is living in reality, not in fantasy. Yes, living in the real, not fantasy world. Please, please turn off any electronics, and please do not record any of this session. In the spirit of the fifth tradition to carry the message, this session is recorded. The recorder will not be turned off during this session. If you do not want to be recorded but need to share, we encourage you to attend another non-recorded meeting. Please do not touch the recording equipment. If you want to share, come up to the front and sit next to us and use the microphone. Please leave the microphone on the table and don't touch it because it makes noise on the recording. Thank you. Let us begin with a moment of silence for all those still suffering or unable to attend a meeting, followed by the serenity prayer. God, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mine be done. Again, our topic is living in the real, not fantasy world. We'll share for, we'll share for five or six minutes about this topic, how it applies in our lives, and then we'll open up the meeting for all of you to share. We'll each have three, four minutes to share before um, we call, before time's up. So, I'm Francis, a recovering sexaholic. My sobriety date is June 20th, 2011, and for that I'm never sufficiently grateful. <laughs> uh, when they asked me to share on this topic, I said, never really thought much about this before, but it is a good one for me to speak about. I'm from a farm family in Saskatchewan, where we have wide open prairies, I thought about the endless skies. That's what's on our license plate, the endless land of the endless skies. And like that broad openness, the imagination, it's there. You know, it's the unpainted uh, canvas for you to just work with. Nothing gets in your way. Uh, but as the youngest is a family of 10, and the two died in infancy, so there were eight of us, six boys, two girls. And... For most of my life, I don't really remember sort of really belonging to that family. I mean, there was nothing nothing bad about it. I just wasn't really a farm boy. 
uh, did chores. I was given chores. I did the chores. But there were times if I had a chance to go off on my own, I went off on my own. We had beautiful, I loved the farm land. It was hills and it was bush and it was sloughs and it was all sorts of places to go and just get lost in my own thing. And uh, one of my things was to fantasize about being, you know, the, the flag bearer in a four in an army <laughs> in days of old, you know. Um, and I, that's when I started fantasy. When I went to school, one of the things I really enjoyed was being in the Christmas concert, getting lost in a role, right? I was, that, that was for me the place to be on stage. Fantasy, to get lost in some, some other life, because it wasn't my own. But one of the big fantasies that really hurt me, um, and I didn't feel it as hurt then, but now, about age seven, um, our house, one of the old style farmhouses, the one one room upstairs, uh, six uh, three double beds for our six boys to share a room. And when six boys share a room, you can imagine things might happen. So I shared with my oldest brother, who's 15 years older than I. And one night, he just pushed me under the covers and got me into oral sex. It only happened once. But I remember there's a lady from Los Angeles says, it's not the number of times it happens, it's the effect it has. And you can imagine, <laughs> seven-year-old boy and a 22-year-old man. Uh, that image stayed with me, and I fantasized about it. And I even remember thinking, is it going to happen again? It wasn't a painful experience. It was just different. I didn't tell anybody. Uh, I remember even sort of a sadness being there when, when he got married the next year. I thought, well, now it'll never happen again. But that has become my big fantasy world, to get lost in that imagery of that child, you know. And so it's been a lifelong thing for me. And, of course, as I, as I got older and then discovered masturbation, uh, more fantasies came in, getting lost in... The feeling. You know, my another brother and I, he's 15 months old, and I sort of experienced around the same time, and we didn't know what it was. Nobody explained to us what this feeling was, um, and so we shared the experience. So we get lost in the activity, and later on, another brother told us knew what we were doing. He said, "Well, you know, that's really that's very sinful." <laughs> Brought up in the religion I brought up in, yeah, you better stop because you're going to burn forever. Um, so then it became a secret, but it was still my way of escape. And more things got added to it and then started fantasizing about other things as well, sexual fantasies of images and, and ways to uh, thinking of things that would add to the excitement of it. Uh, Many's Fortunately, some of them remained only an image. <laughs> Others, I tried and took some great risks in trying to fulfill these fantasies that would give me the high I was looking for. I really wanted that real shot. You know. um, <coughs> fortunately, I said there were risks that I didn't take. Uh, I think God was working with me. And when I finally did come into SA, 
step one, you you look at your life. That's when I look back and see where fantasy had taken me. And I still have to be very careful with it. Um, if I don't sleep well at night, wake up in the middle of the night, there'll be some something come up. Two, three o'clock in the morning is the only time. And I finally reached out a couple of weeks ago for a fellow in England that I've known through the International Fellowship. I said to you, good morning, Nicholas. I'm glad I got your phone call because I think four o'clock here in the morning, nobody wants to talk to me, but at least I got you because four o'clock is a dangerous time. It's a fantasy world and fantasy is just not good. Uh, the real world, because of the program, I've been able to live with it better day by day. Things I've heard here this weekend as well, you know, uh, minding my own business, keeping looking after myself in that way, letting others have their opinions, their lives, their responsibilities, uh, not get lost. Oh, what could I do for them? Uh, or, or this idea of the ideal world I'd like to live in. And no, this is the real world. This is where I am today. So it's, it is a daily thing to, to work the, to live in the real and not the fantasy world. Sometimes the real world, I'd love to be in fantasy because the real world is cruel, harsh. But knowing God is there with me in that real world will, will get me through it. So that's my story and I'm sticking with it. Thanks. Welcome, group. Uh, my name's John. I'm a sex addict. I'm from Baltimore, and I've been sexually sober since uh, January 2003. Um, when I got the topic, I didn't know a lot about it, so I usually like to go to the dictionary and see what uh, what what the dictionary has to say. And fantasy is a faculty or faculty faculty or activity of imagining things, especially things that are impossible or improbable, uh, mental images in response to psychological needs, an idea with no basis in reality. And I looked up the definition of real and actually existing as a thing or occurring in fact, not imagined or supposed, genuine, authentic. Now I looked up reality, the world or the state of things as the, they actually exist, a thing that is actually experienced or seen, especially when this is grim or problematic, uh, a thing that exists, in fact, having previously only existed in one's mind. So anyway, with that, so uh, I, uh, I lived in a, I had a fantasy and uh, my psychiatrist told me one time, she says, you know, what What happens is you really get in trouble when you act out your fantasy, whether that be robbing banks or, uh, my case, wanting to be with uh, another woman who I met on the Internet and uh, decided I wanted to spend my uh, life with her. Uh, crazy as it sounds, it was crazy. So, um, so now I'm, uh, so that, that's where fantasy got me. And, uh, because I was in my own head most of the time, not talking to anybody, um, seemed real. And, uh, it was real. And then 
real wasn't so nice. Um, I ended up uh, I got left the house. I was out of the house for two years, and uh, it wasn't a very good reality, uh, even though I thought I was going to be going into it, but it wasn't. So um, just a few thoughts on, uh, you know, say, heard of saying consequences or when others don't share your reality. And uh, in my reality, uh, my wife didn't share my reality too well. Um, so what I try to do now is like live in the real and uh, living in the real is not easy. It's like that saying, uh, uh, road less traveled. Life is difficult. And you just got to get, once you realize that, then you can move on. Uh, things aren't easy. So, um, so for me, living in, it's a little hard living in the real because I don't like confrontation. Uh, I would rather, uh, put things off to later. I would believe that uh, uh, good news gets, or bad news gets better the longer you wait, and that's not the case. I've I've found that out, and uh, and I heard uh, one one saying was, uh, and for me it's like wanting to put off confrontation or being real. Uh, I like to put it off. But uh, always ends up uh, coming back with uh, interest, a uh, lot of interest. So, um, and I heard this saying: it says, uh, "If you tell the truth, it becomes part of your past. If you tell a lie, it becomes part of your future." And uh, so, for me, it's uh, you know having to deal with things right now even though they're not fun and they're not something I would particularly like to do but being real is uh, dealing with what uh, what's in front of you and um, the, I guess the my final thought is uh, you know it's I heard this saying I went to a treatment center and uh, I think the first thing on the bulletin was life is difficult okay all right and uh, the second thing is the uh, the will to bear discomfort and uh, it's a daily struggle but that it's a thing to do and I gotta keep telling myself that uh, life difficult it's not easy but you know be truthful be upfront and um so that's my uh, thoughts on that. Thank you. Thanks, John. Thanks, John. Yeah. Okay. You now have the opportunity to share with the group. Please focus on the topic of the meeting. Uh, yes, living in the real, not fantasy world. Uh, like sharing in any essay meeting, please limit your sharing to the topic, avoiding explicit descriptions or distracting comments, and focusing on the solution 
rather than the problem. Please do not share anything that legally would have to be reported to the authorities. Please line up to our left so we don't have to wait for each person to speak. Please speak loud enough for all to hear. And uh, let's uh, limit the shares to three minutes. And I'll keep the time. I am DJW. I'm from St. Louis. I've been sober since October 2nd, 2013. Um, I chose this meeting. Um, I, I just felt like I, I really needed a meeting format, so I, I came here as opposed to the, uh, the variety show. Um, and I just, you know feeling like I wanted to share, so it's not surprising I'm the first one up here. Um, but uh, I chose this meeting because it's really where I'm living right now as far as trying to determine how to even tell the difference in my head sometimes. Um, when I walked in, I said, you know, I said something like, is this the real and fantasy? And, and you know, somebody responded, yeah, and, you know, how to tell the difference. And, and I just kind of jokingly said, oh, yeah, I know how to tell the difference. If I think it, it's fantasy. And, uh, you know, I kind of like, you know, it was a joke and I started thinking about it. I'm like, man, there's some truth to that. You know, anytime I put any kind of spin on anything, you know, it, whether it be negative or positive or anything, I'm, I, I really have a tendency to get out of real, get out of what is factual, you know, get out of what really happened and what I think might have happened or what could have happened or what somebody thought they, what I think somebody meant and all this other stuff. Um, another share I heard this morning talked about focusing on the past and the present and not the future, uh, excuse me, the past and the future, not being in the present. And I feel like that's another thing that I do with fantasy. Um, and I just want to share that it, it goes along with, uh, just very top plate for me, uh, had a, um, uh, not really an altercation last night, but more like, uh, just something came up that, you know, there was some, uh, discrepancies in, in how something was going to be done. And, and I just got really upset and I recognized that I was in anger and resentment fantasy. So that was good to recognize it, but man, it was hard to let it go. Um, and you know, since all the people I would have called were like here doing stuff, I was just like, I ended up calling my wife, which was cool, but I just had to be careful, you know, because, you know, I could share with her. She works on the program. But anyway, I just had to let it go. And, and um, you know, but again, it was just that fantasy. You know, when I was a kid, I didn't necessarily dream about being in the Army or whatever. I jumped about, am I up on time, by the way? I am up? Okay. I'm, I'm done on time. Oh, thanks. Sorry, I didn't time it myself. Anyway, I dreamt about being a superhero, right? So, um, you know, when, which is cute when you're a little kid, when you're 35 and you're dreaming about being a superhero, which is what I was, uh, you know, it's not cute. It's just weird. And I realized that as I back out of, you know, that fantasy world, which my, um, uh, thank you. Uh, as I back out of my fantasy world, um, slowly, that's kind of what it feels like. It's just like, okay, that was obvious fantasy. Now I'm, you know, I'm four or five years into recovery, so it's good. I can recognize, but it's just, it's, it's not, it's not these obvious fantasies. It's little ones, but they're still happening just as often. And a lot of times they're negative anger fantasy, um, and resentment fantasy. So anyway, I just want to lay that out there. Thanks. Thanks, DJ. Good evening. My name is James B. and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. My uh, sobriety date is February 10th, 2014. 
And uh, I chose this uh, this particular topic because it's applicable to me in more ways than I care to imagine. Uh, number one is a lot of the first 48 years of my life was spent in one continuous fantasy, uh, one after the other. Uh, I grew up uh, knowing that I was different in the wrong way, and it was just an easy a fantasy. Was just an easy escape for me. It was an easy way out of a, a the painful reality of being different, uh, trying to uh, escape turmoil in my in the in the my family dynamic wasn't really good. It was a nice retreat from that. Uh, I came from a family of addicts. Uh, father and brother are are both practicing sex addicts. Uh, my departed mother was a violently abusive uh, alcoholic, so there wasn't a whole lot of, you know, nurturing to be gleaned from that. So I, and I, I literally created my own world. Um, and as I got older, the fantasies became more numerous. They became more, uh, they came, became more intense and they enveloped everything from, uh, uh, from, uh, from uh, everything involving uh, material security to, you know, uh, ha- you know, having a lot of having a lot of women like me, uh, whatever it was, uh, and uh, I came into recovery and everything changed very quickly because uh, 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 I remember I, I'm always into music and it's one of the things that I've used. Uh, to keep me sober, and there's a song from a couple decades ago, and I know I'm dating this. Uh, uh, was done in, back in the early '80s by a by a uh, Canadian gentleman named Aldo Nova, and the song goes, "Life is just a fantasy. Can you live this fantasy life?" And by the time I came into recovery, I knew I could no longer do it. Um, and I've developed ways of uh, determining whether or not I'm in the present or whether I'm on, in la-la land. Um, if I'm trying to please everybody, I'm in la-la land. But, uh, however, if, I, if I'm aware of my, of my uniqueness and the uniqueness of my fellows, that there's going to be differences and that's okay, I'm living in the real world. If I think that I can that I can instantly influence somebody else's behavior when they are unwilling or unable to change change it, that's definite fantasy. Um, and uh, however, if I the one thing I've learned through this program is that if I give authentically of who I am and what I have, and I expect nothing in return, whatever I get, no matter how small or how big it is, that's real. When I when I come home from a lousy day at work and my cats come up to me nuzzling me and purring and make and, and I literally melt, that's real. And those are the kind of things I try and do. I try and stay in the moment and embrace what's real. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Hi, I'm Chris. I'm a sexaholic from St. Louis. Uh, as I was kind of perusing the schedule at the beginning of the conference, I, uh, you know, a lot of the time slots, I underlined a couple of different possible uh, ones I could go to. And this is the only one I just, as soon as I saw the title, I just like circled it. Because uh, I knew I had to be here um, just to be honest uh, about my own experience. My own experience is that uh, my sexual addiction, my lust addiction is probably most accurately considered a part of my fantasy addiction. You know, like it's a, it's a piece, it's the strongest drug that I have, but, uh, I, I've certainly, um, I'm addicted to 
escape other worlds, other anything but reality. Um, that's that's what I crave uh, more than anything. Uh, and it's it's been hard for me to recognize the the kind of extent of that in myself. Uh, I I've wanted to stop lusting since before I knew that there was an essay. I've wanted to stop uh, acting out sexually. Uh, but I haven't always wanted to give up fantasy, even even in the program. Uh, I, I think that's affected my sobriety. I have 12 years of program, nine months of sobriety. Uh, and one of the issues is I won't, I, I wouldn't give up uh, fantasy, uh, the things that fueled it, media, um, and just the idea that I could somehow separate this thing I, I, I wasn't a fan of, the lust, from this other piece, which was escape, um, and, and just trying to, to leave, uh, the present moment. Uh, and, and what I find to this day is that it's, it's still very hard for me to put down a fantasy, to let go of, of, of something that's not real. I find it's much easier, much more productive for me to instead dive into what is real. You know, like, uh, something about like, uh, get the, the best way for me to let go of what's not real is to compare it to what is real. Um, and that's not always, you know, fun Re- reality. There's a reason I left reality. Uh, it was hard. Uh, but it is where God lives <laughs> and it is the only game going like the fantasy worlds just don't exist. Uh, and so I have found that the more and more I dive into reality, you know, I'm enjoying just kind of the little moments of uncomfortability, the little moments of pain, uh, which tell me that I am currently in reality. That's, that's one of the best ways that I know to kind of say I'm not tripping on a fantasy right now is because things are uncomfortable. Because uh, I never fantasized about being uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, so I'm just grateful for every second uh, that I get to live in reality and to be with my higher power, to be with everybody here in the real world. Thank you. My name is Fred, and I'm a sexaholic. I, uh, I've had 50 to 52 or so years of fantasy living. Um, all my younger years that I can remember. The only thing that I can think of before that was that uh, I would steal, and then followed by, I would lie. So that's my background. Uh, I was a sexaholic and didn't realize it or know it uh, before I got married. I'm married 47 years. I've gone through three times of being discovered for various things. In November of 2010, I came to my first 
recovery meeting. It was a different S group. I went there for a year and a half. Uh, looking back on that now, that's the best thing that could ever happen to me. Because I would have never ended up at SA had it not been for them. And then in SA, I came at least six to eight months. And we've got a book study group. And uh, in a book study group, that's what you do, is you study the different books. And so, and, and I've gone to other meetings that don't necessarily follow that format. So I know there's other formats. And uh, they may, they may, or they probably work fine for some people. But in that time frame, I don't remember hearing that this was a spiritual program and that you needed to follow and go through the steps. I did hear something about a sponsor once or twice. And looking back, I can't believe that happened. My mind had to be out there and never, never land because this was a book study group. That's what they did. Anyway, I discovered that I had a God problem, that I hated God. I didn't want anything to do with God. And in this program, I have discovered or been found by God when he was never lost. I was lost. I was the one lost. That's what I found out. And through that, now I've had pretty much 10 solid years of recovery. Not every day sober. But I've had an M in recovery, and I thank God for it. Thank you. I'm Jeff. I'm a sexaholic. Um, you know, so a lot of my version of living in fantasy is um, hiding behind intellectualism, um, trying to flirt with people, charm folks to kind of create the reality that I want where everyone likes me. And um, <clears throat> the reality that I'm living in today is I got a phone call from a guy in my Bible study group that a guy from my church was killed in a car accident this morning. And um, I wasn't even really close with the guy. He was one of the first people I met at my church. And... Um, and I got to bring him to an SA meeting because he had a lust problem. And um, basically I stopped talking to the guy because he had his own issues and I didn't find it pleasant to be around the guy. But now he's dead and I'm never going to talk to him again. And I'm never going to uh, clear up any of those tensions. And, um, you know, it's just difficult reality for me to deal with today. Um but in terms of, you know, how fantasy um, is present for me today, other than that, uh, I know that I'm in recovery because the quality of my fantasy life's improving. Um, I still fantasize. I used to have fantasies about 
um, you know, sexual acting out, lust. I had a lot of violent fantasies, fantasies how I was going to, you know, assault somebody who offended me in the slightest way. Um, you know, the courtroom drama where if uh, somebody proved me wrong, I was defending my case and it was a slam dunk victory. Um, I still spend a good amount of time in fantasy today. And thank God it's not sexual fantasy because I'll act out over that real quick. You know, so I learned that if I let lust linger in my mind, I'm going to be acting out before I know it. And um, But what I fantasize about is preaching to you nice folks in recovery. Sometimes I'll get this great idea in my head and I'll just be giving a sermon or, um, you know, telling the folks across the room while they're sharing. I'll be like planning out this master, um, you know, give them some feedback, you know, tell them what's what type of thing. And also because, you know, SA has given me new life. I am committed to the sobriety definition and working a program of recovery no matter what. And um, uh, so now I have like, you know, a lot of romantic fantasies, you know, marriage fantasies. And um, maybe those are normal things. I don't really know. I have, I think, probably a normal desire to have a relationship. But, you know, like, for instance, I met some nice lady getting coffee over at the uh, dinner. And uh, I exchanged some words with her, and then just, I'm real sick, so I just started to think, wow, I wonder if is that a blue dot or a green dot? Is that, uh, is there a wedding ring over there? And I just, I ran away. So um, anyway, I'm grateful to be in reality today, uh, grateful to be learning from you nice folks, and uh, I guess I'll just keep coming back. Thanks. Thanks, Jeff. I am Andre, a grateful recovering sex addict, sober since the 31st of January 2012. I learned masturbation with my big brother at 12 years old, and uh, from then I fantasize about women and in the books and the reading and everything, and, you know, dancing parlor and all that. And when I got married at uh, 27 years old, all those fantasies in my head, I wanted to live that with my loved one. And it lasted for 19 years through my marriage. Even a woman, when I was young or was traveling and was not married, sitting beside me, I was fantasizing that I was with her, somewhere sexual. And today... I've been in the program since 92. I still have fantasy about women beside me or looking at women. And that's why I came to this meeting, so I can share about it, put it to the light, so I can get rid of it. Because when I'm there, I'm not in the real world. I'm in my head, and it's no good for me. And when I talk to my sponsor, he said, Andre, you're a sexolic. You cannot get rid of it. Your higher power will do it. Let go and let God. And I have to trust him because my sponsor is my sponsor. I have to follow his his direction. But he, he, tell, he tells me all the time, Andre, you're not God. Get off his chair. Let him do it. And I still have to do that because sometimes I would like to control the whole thing. If I try to control the whole thing, then I'm, I'm going to lose myself, and I'm not in the real world. At my age, I don't have to fantasize about young women or even older women. I don't need that. 
I'm a sexaholic. And I am powerless over loss, over fantasy. So when I look at that, I, I laugh at myself because, hey, I'm a widow since two years and we've been 43 years together. And uh, now I say, Andre, do you want to really go back in, in a relationship? You're a sexaholic. So what would you do? So I have to let go and let my higher power give me the answer. When it's time, when the time comes right, maybe I'll be in a relationship later on. But now I have to be in a relationship with me, my higher power, with you guys, and get rid of those fantasy that still comes up, that maybe the next connection, which is the wrong connection for me, will be good for me. So thank you for being here so I can just let go and let God. Good evening, I'm Leo. I'm a sexaholic, gratefully recovering. My sobriety date is February 26th of last year. Uh, after 50 years of fantasies, it's about the bulk of my story. Um, ever since puberty, not only homosexual, I won't go into details, but it was S and M. I am the M. Masochism. For those of you who don't know, that means I get turned on by punishment, being humiliated, being embarrassed, pain. In my case, the pain was more so the administrative uh, administration of pain that the sadist in my memory, in my fantasies would be such a man that he was punishing me as a homosexual. Uh, that was been about 85% of my fantasies. The other 15% was giving oral sex to a man and, um, without, um, and perhaps being caught by him and then being punished. Um, no, I didn't really want to receive the pain, although there's various ver uh, uh, physical measures of it. Um, I've always looked at men, and uh, I was very selective. Maybe one out of a hundred, you know, would catch my attention. And... Uh, but I'd use it as fodder. They never knew I was watching. <laughs> I'd be looking at their backsides. <laughs> and I could have gone to my grave without anybody ever knowing this. But God started a process about five years ago that kind of was plowing up the ground to, to where it got me about a year ago, January, where I needed some help. And I was willing to tell anybody I, need, I needed something. I had tried a million different ways to get over my fantasies. I would have 20 to 30 different fantasies a day. Most of them would be cut off after two or three seconds. But, you know, prolonged at work would disrupt my my uh, daytime. Uh, so I'm, I'm so glad to... I, I'm now down to like less than one-half percent you know, and, and almost all of my fantasies I can just cut off after 
But the, the real key, the funny thing and part of my recovery is that I've noticed in real life that people people criticize me, and then I have resentment for it. And, of course, that can get me into another fantasy. Uh, but And particularly, I, they'll interrupt me, and I'll be too nice to interrupt back. So <laughs> they'll, they'll end up kind of criticizing me and misinterpreting what I'm saying. But it's just another resentment. And I... I've actually noticed that lately as I've recovered that that's not happening. So I I get a a small chuckle out of God letting me go 50 years. (laughs) I mean, I I have an unusual sense of humor, but just something about 50 years. (laughs) I mean, I'm not bragging about it, but I'm, you know, crying over it. So, and I'm really glad to in just over a year and a half now that, uh, uh, excuse me, not quite a year and a half, that I've been sober and been away from it. My wife knows about it. I never did anything with anybody. I never. It was all just fantasy. And I've seen parallels in real life about how it's uh, how it's come true. So. Hey guys, Ashton, uh, recovering sexaholic from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I just wanted to say thank you all for uh, coming up here. This is not an easy seat to be in. You know, it totally feels like the hot seat. And um, you know, fantasy is is definitely a huge qualifier for me. Um, and, and you know, I forget that I'm not the only one. You know, so hearing you guys come up here and um, and share with such vulnerability has really helped me, and I've learned a lot from you all. Um, and, and I didn't really think I was going to come up here, but, um, but one thing that I know that I need to start doing is just being more honest and especially with rigorous honesty. Um, and, and that for me involves talking about what goes on in my head. Um, you know, it's easy for me to talk about like struggling with pornography or masturbation or what have you, but I don't want to talk about, um, the fantasies in my head because they seem silly. Even like some of them, yes, are sexual, but a lot of them are just really surrounding or really around, um, like my pride and how I can make myself look good or how I can use somebody else to make me look good. Um, you know, like even stupid stuff. Like, so my sexual acting out has been with men, but I have dependency relationships with women. And so a lot of fantasies involve like, you know, this woman that I have a dependency relationship with meets the man that I'm lusting after. Like it's, it's dumb stuff. You know what I mean? It's so ridiculous. And, um, and I, and I hate that. And I'm so embarrassed by that. Even, you know, I don't know. And so I, I just don't like talking about it. Um, but, but to see you guys come up here and be vulnerable and say that, Hey, I'm struggling with this too. I really appreciate that. Um, cause I need to hear that and I need a safe space to be able to come and, and share those things as well. Um, so I, I just wanted to say thank you all. And, um, you know, recovery has just really changed my life. Um, I got in about a year ago and by the grace of God, I've been sober a little, a little over a year and it's been the best year I've ever had. Um, because 20 years in addiction, um, I'm 27 now, so I started my addiction very early. Just 20 years in addiction is no way to live. And, um, I'm now learning how to make connections with people. And because of that, I can now actually be present and not be fantasizing while people are talking to me. 
um, which is a huge, a huge accomplishment. And it's, it's that progressive victory over lust. Um, so anyways, that's all I got. Thank you all, um, for letting me share and thank you all for being here. I really appreciate it. Time for one or maybe two more. One for sure. Just wanted to share one quick thing. Uh, right when I first got into recovery, was not living at home and I was living up in this barn. It was freezing. And uh, fantas- the fantasies of what was going on went away. But uh, sometimes I still uh, have these dreams where I'm acting out. And when I wake up, I'm so happy because it's, it's just a dream. When I first came into the program, I woke up and it was real. So, uh, anyway, I'm really grateful to the program, and uh, I keep coming back, and uh, always uh, look forward to hearing from people. So, thank you. And we have five minutes if anybody wants to double dip. A vision for you. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the one who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Anything you have heard at this meeting is strictly the opinion of the individual participant. Let's all stand and say together the third step prayer. God, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, to do with me as thy will. Relieve me of the bondage of self, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Keep coming back. It works if you work it, and you're worth it, so work it. Thanks, John. Yeah. Um, Saskatchewan. I want you to show on the. Uh, uh, I think that we're still long. we're still taping something. Show <laughs> 
I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.